We made our list. We're checking it twice. We're going to find out which underdogs are naughty and nice on our top 10 list for the year 2023. This week on Underdogs. The cry goes up both far and near for Underdog. Underdog. Countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! George, the dream is alive. Underdog. And I guess there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole fucking thing. It's the Underdogs back with you. Bells are jingling. Reindeer are leading sleds with trails of presents, and we are here to give you a gift of a special episode. I am Jordan Brenner, joined as always by my co-host, Peter Keating. Happy holidays, Peter, and welcome to this very special episode of The Underdogs. Happy holidays, Jordan, you fraud for wishing me happy holidays. I'm the one dressed in red. I'm the one you forced to go down the chimney to give gifts out, and then you're saying happy holidays to me. I suggest you get a little bit more in the holiday spirit. And I am so super ready because here's, we're going to explain, present and explain some hot underdog action. This is fantastic. Yes. We, as a year end episode here, as we go into Christmas and new year's, we will be talking about today, the top 10 underdog stories of 2023 in the world of sports. It's a great list. It's been vetted by all sorts of experts, including my At children. Least two. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) It is indisputable, undeniable. It is the definitive list. Uh, So without further ado, let's get going with number 10. Afghanistan over England in the Cricket World Cup. I bet you were not expecting that one, sports fans. But Peter, this was a massive, massive, massive upset. Jordan, an all-time historic wipeout that went largely unnoticed in the United States. In the International Cricket World Cup, Afghanistan won their first match ever by blowing away by 69 runs, the defending world champion, England. And what makes this an even more incredible story is Afghanistan, as you may know, I mean, was ravaged by earthquakes, right? The country is in mourning and trying to rebuild just weeks before this match happened in October. Not only that, since the Taliban took over in 2021, it's a question of whether Afghanistan had any international sports participation that was going to move forward at all. This cricket team played under the banner of the previous regime, sang, walked out and sang to the old national anthem. And while the government did not like this, there is nothing they could do to stop it. They did not announce this win in any official government announcements around the country, but celebrations took place anyway. So the Afghanistan cricket team, an underdog in every conceivable sense. And what's kind of cool is India and also the United Arab Emirates have given that team training facilities in their home countries so they actually get support and training and maybe move on because now they've qualified for the next Cricket World Cup. Excellent. And how many runs did they win by again? Uh, They won by a score of 284 to 215, making that a margin of 69 runs. Oh, nice. All yes, right, so let's... a lot of loose bowling there on the uh, on the English side of that there game. There we go. All right, well, truly a massive upset in a lot of ways. Let's stick to the world of international competition. <laughs> let's stick to with... the world of the world, Jordan. The world of the world with number nine, Germany shocks the world and wins the FIBA Basketball World Cup. It may have shocked most of the world, 
Oh, oh, but it, it didn't was, shock you, Jordan. Jordan picked were a this. Few Jordan may wise, have won money on this. Did you actually few, win money? Did you win money did. on this? There wow. were a few wise sages who saw this coming. Going into the FIBA World Cup, you could get Germany to win the tournament around plus 4,000. If only anyone had thought of that. I've got my eyes in old Bavaria. <laughs> Jordan, your pretzel logic is about to capture us once again. Look, Germany is plus 2,500 to win the tournament. It is, again, not likely they will win. But if we have to take someone outside of those top five, that's my team. In all seriousness, Germany was great. Um, they beat the U.S. in the semifinals, 113-111 in a classic. Andreas Obst, uh, Daniel Tice, Franz Wagner all scored 20-plus. Dennis Schroeder at 17-9. and nine. Then they came back to beat Serbia in the gold medal game. Dennis Schroeder 28 to win that. He was phenomenal in the tournament, averaging 19-6. and six. And look, as I said, going into the tournament, they, they had a nice NBA core of Schroeder, the Wagner brothers, Daniel Tice, etc. This was not just some, you know, ragtag group of inexperienced ballers. They, they, they came together. They played extremely well. They made Dirk Nowitzki proud. It was fun to watch. And that semifinal game against the U.S. was a classic. It was they played together, Jordan, like a symphony, a bombastic Wagner symphony. You've been holding on to that one for for months, haven't you? Well, Schroeder likes to. We all know Schroeder likes to play the piano, so he took part. Yes, yes. So anyway, big German win. Another tough loss for the U.S. on the international stage. We'll see what they do um, in terms of tweaking the program. We've already heard LeBron's trying to get the. The Avengers back together for the Olympics in Paris, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, that brings us to underdog story number eight of 2023. That's right. It's Tommy DeVito. Living DeVito I loca. To, I mean, do we need to say it again? I, I just want to say this, okay? this it is, the, it is a top 10 underdog story because of the narrative, not because of his performance. I want to, I want to separate that, okay? It's the hometown kid taking over as the quarterback of the team he grew up for. It's the idea that he's living at home and his mom's making his bed and chicken cutlets for dinner. It's his agent showing up on the sideline looking like a Sopranos cast member to the point where we're texting him and we can't even get in touch with him because everyone wants him on their show. But I also want to reiterate what I've been saying, what we saw again against the Saints this past week. He's not a long-term starting NFL quarterback. You can see he holds on to the ball too long. He doesn't see the field. He takes a lot of sacks. That I, I think we've been proven right that the conversation about him starting over Daniel Jones is stupid. So let's just enjoy what this is. Uh, uh, okay, uh, Jordan. Brief... It is also it is yeah. also two game winning drives though. I mean, it is also bringing some spark, excitement, hope, and enjoyment to fans who thought their season was long gone, completely yes. dead. Look, let's do one tiny bit of analytics on this. DeVito's sure. passer rating, the traditional passer rating, is 91.5, which is pretty good mm -hmm. because that rewards short passes. His QBR, if anybody's still around using QBR, attempts to measure how much a quarterback is actually adding to his chances of winning a game is 22.9, which is abysmal. There's a split yes. there. When they asked him to go out and complete some short passes, including when it took a level head to conduct some game-winning drives, he did it, but he's not a long-term contributor to was being like to, to a, to a winning team and a starting role. The guy's taking sacks on 18% of his dropbacks. Right. Having said all that, 
It is the holidays, and it's also true that you can get something from bad or below-average seasons. If this guy shows himself to be a, a viable backup quarterback, as we now know from watching so many horrible backup quarterbacks, that ain't nothing. Right. He. Th this isn't to say that he can't get better from some of this over time. I just don't think he's a starter, but you're right. He could be a... He, he, you know what he could be? He could be Tyrod Taylor in time, but uh, that, which would be good value. And look, and, and I guess what I'm saying is, I wish everyone were just enjoying this for what it is—a cool story. It, it, what it had been a terrible, terrible season for Giants fans made things fun again. No one needs to take it to the next level and talk about him being a starter in the future. Just enjoy the moment. It's fun. It, it breathed life into this this season, this fan base. The miracle producer, has already happened. Our and producer, and Sarah McCrory, and her family made chicken cutlets last week to watch the game. Like, it's fantastic. To make a top 10 year-end list, as we're going to see with the rest of this list, mm -hmm. the miracle does not actually have to be repeatable or sustainable. It's there. Let's enjoy it. Well, let's for number seven, let's talk about one that was somewhat repeatable. Uh, Princeton making the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament in men's basketball. Now, We've seen 15-2 upsets before. What made Princeton beating Arizona extra special was that they then went out and beat Missouri in the second round to sort of solidify it and make the Sweet 16. Our, as, as you know, as many of you know, Peter and I sort of put our teeth projecting NCAA tournament upsets, Giant Killers, the ESPN, now it's Bracket Breakers at The Athletic, and our model still going strong. Actually thought this might be somewhat possible. Gave it about a 13% chance of happening, which is more than you would get for a typical 15-2 game. Um, from there, Princeton was down 10 with 11 minutes mm -hmm. to play mm -hmm. against, against Arizona and outscored them 20-6 to the rest of the way. Arizona shot 3 of 16 from 3. Princeton grabbed 9 offensive rebounds. Um, you know, Arizona just absolutely collapsed. We, we, we can't ignore that, but it was a it was a cool, big upset. And then they solidified it by beating Missouri handily. Right, right. And Missouri went only six for 22 on threes. So Princeton, Princeton under Mitch Henderson, not running exactly the old Princeton style mm -hmm. and therefore not being as apparent to statistical models looking for a super high efficiency. But they took care of the ball. They grabbed tons of rebounds. And they did not let other teams shoot on them from three-point range. And as often happens in these titanic upsets, you start to see the looks of the players on these heavy overdog teams start to look a little panicked or a little rushed. And their shooting gets so much worse at the end of the game. You give a good underdog a little bit of confidence. They actually out, you know, they outduel them in the final minutes of the of those games. Right. And it was it was something to see. And it was well, the Missouri game was some some classic giant killing. They shot 12 yep. of 33 from three, yep. grabbed 16 offensive rebounds. Yep. A man Tosum had a boom, right? Yeah. A boom. I don't I, I can't even pronounce his name anymore, but he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, they were awesome. All right. Number six, sixth best underdog story of 2023. It was upsets finally coming to women's soccer in the form of the World Cup. This has been a top-heavy sport forever, and for really the first time, we saw breakthroughs in, in, in big underdogs actually being able to come through with, the, with wins. Jordan, look, four years ago, they announced that the field would be expanded from 24 to 32 teams. This was coming on the heels of the U.S. beating Thailand 13-0. A lot of people thought it was a terrible idea to expand that big that rapidly 
turned out to be a great idea. There were nine underdogs won outright in the in the group stages. Ten fought to draws. By our measure, team beating a team, another team above five or more spots above them in the world rankings, 19% of the games resulted in deep upsets. That's like twice the normal rate. We saw Canada and Germany and Brazil all go down in the group stage. We saw teams sure. like Nigeria, South Africa, Zambia pulling off stunning upsets. Morocco. Well, then, there was my, then there was my personal favorite. You had host New Zealand upsetting right. Norway to start the tournament and then turning around and losing an even bigger upset to the Philippines which was amazing. Obviously, the U.S. losing to Sweden was one that a lot of people were, were were focused on as well. But you're right. This was all over the place. South Africa over Italy, Zambia over Costa Rica. Morocco made, Morocco made the, the final 16. This is the yeah. first time they ever played in a, in a World Cup. It was, it, it, we love chaos and this was, was chaos. And it was great. It's great for the sport that lots of different teams can go out on any given day and win a game. We'll take a break. We've, we've breezed through numbers 10 through 6. We'll be back with a top five underdog stories of 2023 after this. Underdog. Underdog. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Underdog, underdog. Jordan Brenner, Peter Keating, the underdogs, back with you. We are halfway through our list of the best underdog stories in the sports world of 2023. And let's pick it back up with number five, the Florida Panthers over the Boston Bruins, a 1-8 upset in the first round of the NHL playoffs. The Bruins had 135 points in the regular season, 65 wins, a plus 128 goal differential, a 3-1 series lead, and then a 3-2 late lead late in that game. And come overtime, they were losers and out of the playoffs. Peter? And Jordan, everything about the Panthers' underdog status, they came by honestly. They were eighth in the Eastern Conference with 92 points. Their preseason over-under was 105 and a half, so they didn't even meet expectations. They, they were eighth in uh, simple rating system. 21st in the league in goals allowed. They went on from there to beat Toronto and Carolina to make it all the way to the finals. In that Carolina series, they won every game by one goal, which gives you a kind of hint about what's going on. Everything we can try to say in analytics about hockey, how you need to block a lot of shots or control the puck and reduce shot volume by the other team or luck into having a hot goalie. Jordan, I don't think any of those things apply to the Panthers. They they played steady. They They did not get up tight. Boston made some tremendously difficult and terrible coaching decisions and collapsed. Um, and the Panthers just kept winning close game after close game after close game. And the guy they rode was their one superstar, but they really weren't a one-dimensional team. I think one one thing we're going to see, so in this in our top five, we've got three moments from professional sports. And what I think you can really see is a, a couple of these randomness just will always play a factor and hockey is one of them. What's, what's interesting about one of these, which we'll get to is, is that it sort of defies generally the sport defies randomness. And that's why it's, it's such a cool moment. But I think that 
hockey. And then our next one just goes to show again that the playoffs can be real crapshoot. And so let's yes. get into that next one. Number four was the Arizona Diamondbacks making the World Series. Now, look, we picked them early in the season on our show. I think it was in May as a surprise team to potentially win the division. It was a team, you know, we, 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 I think the rubric was we had to take teams um, who weren't in first place, had sort of long shot odds to win the division. I think you took the Cincinnati Reds, who looked great for a while. I took the Diamondbacks. And then the Dodgers got absurdly hot and blew them out of the water. Who knew the Diamondbacks' real push was going to come in the playoffs? They swept the Brewers in two games. They swept the Dodgers in three. They came back 3-2 down on the road to win two games in Philadelphia to get to the World Series. And while things ended in five games against Texas, it was a, it was really a crazy performance by a young team that defied a lot of what conventional wisdom says about how you win in the postseason, right? Yeah, right. So look, as a regular season team, they were really well constructed, right? Built with their core virtue is actually their defense, particularly their outfield range, where you can probably get good value and build. And they had good young players who did not fade down the stretch. Corbin Carroll played well all year. And then they had pitchers who, you know, they got a really, really, really deep bullpen working in the postseason because they could switch their back end starters into the bullpen. That's one important lesson. But Jordan, the Dodgers could spend another $700 million this offseason, and would it buy them a win in that series where they got swept? In part, this just shows the folly of expecting too much order or predictability to come out of a series that you can win by winning three games in a row. I mean, Brandon Fott was their number three starter in the playoffs, and it would go like, right. if they got four and a third innings out of him, it was a big victory. Zach Allen didn't even pitch like an ace in the playoffs. It was right. just all this you need, you, you know, you need frontline starting pitching to win is nonsense. Like they, right. you know, that Merrill Kelly pitched well, but otherwise you're right. They were bullpenning games. They didn't even have a fourth starter of, of any note that like, you know, when it right. had to go to they that. They had none. I mean, it was right. a pleasing stylistic contrast to watch the World Series about them against the Texas Rangers. It was a cool series, but this was almost like uh, a no star, not quite, but almost like team of complete depth, which kind of cuts against everything everybody's been talking about, about what you need for postseason success. But it goes to show, and, and I think you and I have both have been evolving in this philosophy over the years, right? Like more and more, I think what you have to do is you build the team to be the best regular season team it can be win as many games as you can and enjoy that because what happens in the playoffs is so random and you can't people talk about oh this general manager that general manager hasn't done a good job of building a playoff roster there's no such thing if you unless you want to tell me that brandon fought is the secret to winning playoff series or you know uh having guys like joe mantiply on your team like that's what that's what Arizona did. And there's no secret to it. They just got hot. Well, speaking of teams that got hot, number three biggest underdog story of 2023 was South Carolina going down to Iowa in the women's basketball tournament. Iowa was plus 500 on the money line going into that game. They were plus 11 and a half on the spread. South Carolina was 36 and 0, looking unbeatable. And then they ran into Caitlin Clark. Yeah, Jordan, South Carolina hadn't lost since what? The the, the Carter administration? It was yes, unbelievable. Sir. They're overwhelming favorites for good reason. This was an amazing game to watch. My favorite statistic from the game, South Carolina had 26 offensive rebounds. 
they did what they set out to do, which was to contest the ball, get the ball. And, and it was almost like every missed shot was an assist, you know, by Iowa for South because they, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. However, everything else around there broke down. They fell into committing too many turnovers. They did not shoot well from threes. Given the number of possessions they had, they should have scored more points if they didn't. And they kept expecting Caitlin Clark to get tired. They let her get to the rim over and over and over again. But she didn't. All she needed was a couple of timeouts to rejuvenate. And Iowa ended up taking it to them in an entertaining game and a, such a huge upset. And in contrast to the men's final four, I mean, as you know, I mean, I'm sure you had a lot of friends saying this too. I knew a lot of people who actually wanted to see this game because of the clash of personalities and teammates and styles and just the excitement of play. It really eclipsed the men's final four in many ways and set all kinds of viewership and record ratings. This was a Titanic game. Yeah, no, and, and what's crazy is this was a, a one seed and a two seed meeting in the final four. You wouldn't think that would normally be an 11 and a half spread. So it just goes to show how dominant South Carolina was and has been. Then obviously credit to LSU, a three seed, for then wiping right. out Iowa in the championship game after that. We you know, want to make sure they get their credit. But certainly the um, the upset the upset in the semis was was one to remember. All right, number two on our list of the top 10 underdog sports stories of 2023 is the Miami Heat making it to the NBA Finals, starting with an 8-1 upset of the Bucks. Now, we saw it in hockey. It's harder. This is what I was talking about. Much harder to do in NBA. And in general, in the NBA, randomness doesn't happen. The best team emerges in a seven-game series. So what the Bucks, sorry, excuse me. So what the Heat did against the Bucks was really remarkable. They became the sixth eight seed in NBA history to beat a one seed, and they did it in dominant fashion. They won in five games. Jimmy Butler averaged almost 38 points per game, shot about 60% from the field, about 45% from three-point range. And he's am, not I allowed, am I allowed to say it? Am I allowed to say Struz? What? <laughs> Max Struz? Okay. Yes, yeah, Tyler yes. Hero got hurt in game one. Right, right. Bowling. And then the Bucks didn't stop there. They went on to beat the Knicks in six games. Celtics in seven games in the craziest series of the whole bunch. They went up three Yep. Games to none in that series. Lost the next three. Almost then blew it. Went to game seven in Boston. Everyone thought they were done. And they won by 19. Then they Jordan. took game two in Denver. And then they, uh, as as we said, it was the, 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 the jig was up and uh, Denver won in five. But what a remarkable performance by a Heat team that was the definition of better than the sum of its parts. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. Here's a team that staggered into the postseason, right? And then went on a run was so fantastic that people started talking about the heat culture or the heat way or better than some other parts. How much do you think there was to that? How much do you think there was to this team playing better as, as a team? I, I, I can't put much stock in that in general, but it really seemed to tell against the Celtics who were kind of just clobbered or reduced into taking so many so many one, you know, so many isolation shot, you know, isolation plays and without moving the ball much. I mean, the heat just seemed to be this fluid machine. Can we, was it, first of all, was it real? Can we quantify it? They knew who they were. We talked about this at the time. They knew who they were. I think I mentioned that they passed the ball very well. And that's an underrated skill, not just Jimmy Butler, but Bam Adebayo, great passing big man. Mm -hmm. Be able to move the ball from side to side. It prevents long droughts. Um, their role players stepped up and hit shots. So sustainable. It was sustainable for the playoffs. I don't know that like you build a team necessarily in that image. It takes some. You, like Bam Adebayo is an unusual 
combination of skills in terms of unselfish, terrific defensively, versatile, and can score. But look, what this team did was phenomenal, and it it, it should be celebrated. And Jimmy Butler's a stud, but and, it's not. And Adebayo no. makes a great uh, flagship or mascot or leader. Or what do you want to say for whatever our all underdog team is? He'd be a great captain. All right. Well, the captain of this list, the number one best underdog story of the 2023 sports year. That's right. Fairly Dickinson as a becoming the second 16 seed in the history of the men's NCAA tournament to beat a number one seed. In this case, it was perennial whipping boy Purdue going down in the greatest manner yet for their history of getting upset by lesser teams. Our model gave it a 1.9% chance of happening, Peter, and it came through. Jordan, I think the 1.9% was generous. You can't list a 0% chance of something happening, but FDU was a team that gave up more than 115 points per 100 possessions. Jordan, they weren't good at, at preventing threes. They weren't good at blocking shots. They weren't good at stopping shots. They weren't good at anything on defense. They got torched routinely. Jordan, this team beat not just one, Two teams named St. Francis in the conference tournament. That's how they made the NCAA tournament, by beating both St. Francis's. And then they took it to Purdue. And, and before we go any further, let me just say really quick, Jordan, UA Little Rock, North Texas, St. <laughs> Peter's, now Florida, Fairleigh Dickinson. It's a 12, 13, 15, and 16 that Purdue has lost to as a giant in the tournament over the past few years. Oh my goodness! They they couldn't they couldn't run a play. They couldn't and run a play. And once again, FDU. they look like the possibly the best team in the country this year. The question is, are they going to have a Virginia-like response to getting up? You know, Virginia lost to UMBC as a 16, came back, won the national championship the next year, or are they going to continue this amazing run under Matt Painter of losing tournament games? A lot of drama coming this year. But you're right that they, they couldn't they couldn't run anything on offense. After you collapsed on on Zach Eady, three guys around him at every point dared their freshman guards to beat them from the perimeter. Good they not to couldn't. a shot. Five of twenty-two on threes. Right. Five they of twenty-two. And, and led and to Jordan, a sixty-three fifty-eight win. Let me ask you one quick question, though. This is this is Princeton, Fairleigh Dickinson, FDU. the year before St. Peter's. Peters. What is Tommy, going on? Tommy DeVito. What is going on in New Jersey? I think there's only two words I can end this whole list with, and that is hashtag Jersey strong. We're the underdogs. See you later. Happy, happy holidays. The Underdogs podcast is a production of Metal Arc Media and the DraftKings Network. Our show is produced by Sarah McCrory. Our executive producer is Neely Lohman. Follow us on Twitter at Peter Keating NJ and at Jordan Brenner. Tell a friend and subscribe to the Underdogs podcast anywhere you like to listen and be sure to tune in again next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.